Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber. The White House Innovation Office first announced the standing up of Centers of Excellence at GSA back in late 2017. The centers bring together industry and government to modernize IT in several key areas. Currently, the Departments of Agriculture, Housing and Urban Development, and more recently, the Office of Personnel Management are the participating agencies. With me is Centers of Excellence Director Matt Montano to talk his path to the effort and the exciting innovative initiatives underway. Matt, thanks for joining us on GovCast. Describe your current role with GSA and the Centers of Excellence. It's a fairly new appointment, as I understand. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Amy. I'm a site director for the GSA Centers of Excellence. I support IT modernization at the agency level, working with agency leadership to kickstart modernization, introduce modern problem-solving methods, and establish a culture of continuous improvement. The CUEs are currently working with two agencies right now, HUD and USDA. I was previously overseeing the team at HUD, but right now I'm working to stand up additional CUE engagements, and we look forward to making some announcements about those in the soon. What are some of the projects that you're working on specific to HUD or USDA? Right now, we're working with them on some projects that focus on how they interact with the American citizen. We're looking at contact centers and how they manage and analyze their data, establishing governance and creating knowledge bases, enabling assistance in multiple forms for their customers to include over the phone, interactive chat, online self-help mobile access. And the goal is to enhance their customer's ability to effectively and efficiently access information and seek assistance, ultimately improve how those agencies provide their services. Cool. Where did you get your technology bug from? Where did you get your start? So I was into computers at a pretty young age. When I was in middle school, I used to ride my bike so I could get to the computer room when it opened at 6am and hang out and then get back there and hang out until it closed at five o'clock and they kicked me out. And this was in the days of mainframes and before the World Wide Web. And computer networks were, were pretty open and you could kind of hop around from academic institution from one to another and look at their programs and their their files and their music. I learned to do some really simple coding, I think at age 10 or 11. And then when I went to college, I started out as a film major And then after about a semester, I switched to computer science because I realized it was probably a more stable career than trying to direct movies. Hey, that could be a big thing. I mean, you could have been directing a bunch of cool things. Yeah, yeah, or movies about IT modernization. (laughs) Hey, I want to see that. (laughs) So you spent some time in Germany. Were you in the Army? Were you active duty Army? Yeah, so I did ROTC in college. So afterwards, I went into the Army as a Medical Service Corps officer I worked on medical research technology projects, things that are pretty commonplace now, but were pretty cutting edge at the time. For example, teleradiology, telemedicine, patient portals, check-in kiosks, virtual reality. I was actually a civilian when I was in Germany, but that's kind of really how I got my start in innovation and technology was in the military. Wow. So uh, there's a few medical-themed things. What got you interested in the medical side? Well, in the Army, you don't necessarily get to choose your branch, (laughs) but I knew that in the medical department in the Army, they had a bunch of different career choices. So you could be a pilot or a logistician or an HR person or patient administrator. So they had an IT career field. So I knew if I became a medical service officer, I could probably wing my way into the IT career field since I had a computer science degree. So where are you from? I don't really have a home. My father was in the military, then I was in the military 
spent a lot of time in Texas and New Mexico. I deployed, I think, around seven times when I was in the military because you're working on things like telemedicine, teleradiology. They want to test them out in the, the real environment. So I went to Guantanamo Bay, Haiti, Egypt, Bosnia, Hungary. But my parents live in Albuquerque, New Mexico now. So Wow. I'm actually a military brat myself. So. Oh, so you know the feeling then, yeah. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have asked where are you from because I hate that question myself. <laughs> Was there anything unique about being in Germany or in Europe that you applied to your work in IT? Definitely. So the military is kind of a strange beast to try to operate in. They require a high level of security. And as a result, you have a lot of these separate individual networks. So when, let's say, an organization deploys to Iraq or Afghanistan, or maybe it's a peacekeeping mission, they'll get all these other units from across the world assigned to them, and they'll have different networks and different tools. So as a result, we had to come up with better ways for them to share information. So SharePoint was just coming out at the time. And if you weren't on their network, you couldn't use you know somebody else's SharePoint. So we worked with Microsoft and some other companies to create kind of what was we didn't have the term cloud at the time, but it was a, a military cloud to allow a bunch of disparate medical units to, to communicate and operate better together. Specific to your current role at the GSA, what drew you to working with the Centers of Excellence? Up until now, I'd been working on innovation and modernization at the kind of mid-tiers to lower upper tiers of government. And the COE works at the, at the highest level with agency secretaries and deputy secretaries and C-suite to, you know, make, make changes. And so the opportunity to make a difference across an entire agency is really what intrigued me the most. And actually how I got this position is kind of an interesting story as well, too. I was speaking at a conference and the keynote speaker was the former director of the COEs, Joanne Collins-Smee. She was just coming in from IBM and as part of her speech, she was saying how impressed she was with federal IT staff and that they were looking to hire some more people. And it sounded pretty interesting to me. So when she was done speaking, I jumped out of my chair and raced back to the lobby to try to to catch her. And she was immediately surrounded by probably at least 40 or 50 salespeople. And I'm like, okay, I'm not, this is not going to be my opportunity. And right at that time, her chief of staff kind of dragged her in an elevator to get her away from the, the chaos. And I just decided to jump in with them. And that seven-floor conversation and a couple of interviews, I ended up in this position. So it's literally an elevator pitch that got me here. Wow. Do you, do you have that elevator pitch memorized? <laughs> uh, no, I just, I just, uh, I didn't have a plan. Okay. And I think maybe not having a plan was a good plan and just kind of winged it and shared my experiences and my thoughts. And she found it interesting enough to continue that conversation. Great. And now you're here. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> What are some of the challenges GSA hopes to address with its centers? So one of the biggest challenges we face, and I think it's the same across government and the private sector, is that technology changes very rapidly and training tends to lag behind. So we're trying to use 21st century tools with 20th century training. And as a result, it's really important for workforce transformation and change management to go hand in hand with IT transformation. So looking back in your past and all the biggest projects you've been involved with, whether that was at GSA or in the Army, and I think you've also spent time at the VA, what is the biggest change you've seen in the technology space since you first started your career? Oh, that's a great question. 
I think the biggest change hasn't been actually the well. There's there's been so many changes to technology. I think the biggest improvement I've seen on the government side is how we approach developing IT solutions and solving problems. Uh, about 30 years ago, the government was at par, if not ahead, with the private sector when it came to technology. The 90s really changed that with the advent of the World Wide Web and e-commerce, and the private sector started doing things quicker, cheaper, better, and more secure. And the government kind of still kept it in little silos, like, we can do this better. And then just recently, I think that we in the government have finally enabled people to better leverage innovation from the private sector as a service tools, cloud products, things like FedRAMP and some other avenues make it easier to use that and take away the, the bureaucracy it comes with trying to use those, those tools. How can government leverage partnerships in these efforts? You know, when we solve problems in the government, we tend to approach it like it's, we're the first person to ever have that problem and go out and study and do research. And then a year or two later, come up with a solution that's already out of date and put it together ourselves or pay somebody else to do it. So I think the, the partnerships are key, leveraging best practices, putting together just kind of a mindset that allows you to kind of think outside the walls of your computer room and leverage solutions that are already out there than rather than trying to create a new one yourself. How do you think government can centralize best practices and expertise more efficiently? I've been with GSA for about a little over six months now. I really had no idea all these tools and services they they provide. I'm seeing a lot of government tools over there that enable agencies to, to share those best practices. For example, api.data.gov allows agencies to post, share, browse, and reuse APIs from across the government. Labs.usa.gov is a testbed to create, approve, and deploy new functionality. These kind of shared innovation platforms allow agencies to reuse and build upon others' work rather than recreate it. And there are also some cross-agency councils where they share ideas, for example, the Council of CIOs. It'd also be great to have some interaction and cross-pollinization at the technical level. I think it'd be great to see the Office of Chief Technology Officers or a Council of Business Process Engineers. And, and honestly, those may exist already, but every time I you know, meet somebody and find out what they do, there's a lot of innovation and best practices happening. And I think cross-pollinating those ideas across agencies is really helpful for, for our work. So at the v- you were also at the VA after the Army. What were some of the projects you worked on there? Did you do more telemedicine things? I was the CIO for the VA in Palo Alto, which is kind of a weird dichotomy because, you know, you're working for an organization that has, I think, a, a little bit of room to grow in the IT field. And at the same time, you're in the middle of the Silicon Valley. So it's a weird dichotomy. You're in the, you know, the biggest incubator in the world and trying to do simple things like keep your 30-year-old electronic medical record up and running. But it was also great because we were able to partner with some of those organizations and bring in some tools and some comforts to veterans. So we were able to bring in guest Wi-Fi, iPads for veterans, Google Television. And we also developed some apps, such as an app for veterans with PTSD, and that actually won a White House award Yeah, back in 2000, I think in 12 or 13. We were also, so every VA has an academic affiliate, and our academic affiliate was Stanford, which is also challenging because you have staff that work at both VA and Stanford, and we're like, over at Stanford, we do it this way. And I'm like, yeah, I would love to do it that way. 
But we were able to bring in a lot of ideas and a lot of tools that way. And I think that's really, you know, where I got the mindset where solutions don't have to be, you know, homegrown all the time. There's ideas and there's things that exist out there. And it's a matter of kind of leveraging, tweaking them and organizing them to your own benefit. What are you most excited about when it comes to IT innovation and emerging technology? I suppose I should use the latest buzzword tier like blockchain or machine learning. But honestly, most organizations could make a difference by changing how they approach problem solving and solutions development. Technology comes and goes, but there's a lot of tools out there that help people solve those problems and come up with IT solutions such as DevOps, human-centered design, and agile. And where do you see the future of IT? I think the future of IT lies with a lot more partnerships and some people say cross-pollinization, like they call it cross-contamination of ideas, not just between the government and the private sector, but within the government itself. So when I was in the Army, we had a saying that innovation happens in the foxhole, in the exam room, and not the boardroom. And I think people are a lot smarter and they're a lot closer to the technology and have great ideas on how to use it and how to improve upon it. And IT leaders are recognizing those the, the benefits of that and allowing people to take risks and innovate. And as a result, you're seeing things that happen at the lower levels of an organization be implemented across that organization. And considering this is kind of a new position for you, what's next for you? What are you immediately going to tackle? So as the executive director of the COE says, the COE is experiment and we're still kind of learning and honing our skill sets. And as we go from one agency to another, we're learning how to best implement this methodology. We're starting to get it down to a science, but we're also noticing that we're encountering a lot of the same problems at different agencies. And being able to take you know, solutions from one agency to another or taking a problem that's already been solved at one agency and taking it to another that still needs to solve it has been really great. Just having this over- overall government-wide insight into what's going on is, has been really, really interesting. So as far as interacting with some of the other centers of excellence and, and the other agencies, do you guys meet up or how do you, how do you kind of brainstorm together certain things as, as a whole? We've developed communities of practice within the COEs. We're not that big. We probably have 20 or 30 federal staff plus our industry partners. So we're still very agile to use that term. It might get a little more complicated as we, we get bigger. But our, for example, our CX leads will meet up on a regular basis. Our data analytics leads. We try to follow our advice when it comes to leveraging existing solutions and expertise out there in the private sector. So there's definitely a lot of discussion within the COEs. We have regular kind of brainstorming sessions when it comes to how we can do things better. We have a lot of new staff coming on that have great experience in the private sector and in, in the government. And in all honesty, I'm, I'm surprised that we can hire some of the folks we can. And we probably promised them a, a lower paycheck and, and worse working conditions, but because they have a passion for what they do, they want to come in and work with us. And so we're not only developing ideas from within, we're bringing people from the outside who have their own ideas and there's a lot of avenues that we have for maintaining those discussions and working together. Are you hiring? And in case anyone is listening who might be interested in working with Centers of Excellence, how can they go about doing that? We're always looking for new talent. I would recommend to anybody to look at our website, coe.gsa.gov, and there's information on, on job openings, as well as we have a new Twitter site, and there's information there. But yeah, we're always looking for new talent. Well, thanks for joining us, Matt. This was a great conversation, and I'm going to look forward to following 
things that are coming out of the, the Centers of Excellence at GSA. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Amy. This was enjoyable for me as well, too. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. GovCast is produced and hosted by Amy Kluber. It is edited by Resonate Recordings. Theme music provided by Big Hoax. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com. Mm-hmm.